All right. Oh. Just building anticipation, people. How are you doing? Good? Good. Happy February. It's February. That's happening. Um, you're a month into your New Year's resolutions. You know, when you ask somebody in the first week of January about New Year's resolutions, it's, it's a fun conversation. But if you bring them up in February, people get angry at you. So how are you doing with all that? We're talking about self-discipline today. And... Uh, that's, you know, that's my segue into self-discipline. It's been a great um, first week into, uh, a couple weeks into our series, and uh, I've been really enjoying it. It's been really good. Um, so, you know, we're talking about getting into shape spiritually. And um, when people ask me about getting into shape, I think there's lots of shapes. So it's not specific. I can be any shape, and I'm in shape, right? <laughs> Round is a shape. Pear is a shape. We're all in shape. But just what shape we're in depends on some factors. And, um, you know, I think health is a better, you know, way to, way to talk about things other than shape, you know, because there's all kinds of good shapes. Um, but health is the most important thing. And discipline is always necessary to get healthy, to get into shape, right? Uh, whatever kind of discipline we're talking about. And um, there's lots of kinds of disciplines. Uh, my children, when I was telling them I was preaching about self-discipline, they're like, why would you discipline yourself? Because for them, discipline is what happens when you get in trouble, right? You're going to get a discipline, you know? Why would you discipline yourself? Like, it's just not, you know, but obviously the term discipline is about much more than getting in trouble. Um, uh, as we grow older, we hopefully are able to discipline ourselves so that someone else doesn't have to, right? Uh, this, is just, this is just growing up into a healthy adult. So why discipline yourself? Um, when you're young, you depend on others to discipline you, but when you grow up, you take that responsibility for yourself or not. And if you don't, well, that's why we have police. You know, that's why we have law courts. You know, Sometimes reality is, is the one who disciplines us, right? When we just don't want to discipline ourselves, just reality says, well, okay, here's the consequences. And sometimes you're forced into uh, health changes because of health issues or you're forced into different kinds of changes. But we discipline ourselves. It's, it's preferable to discipline yourself than to be disciplined uh, by reality or by an external uh, force or the consequences of being undisciplined. You know, um, we talk about the, the phrase, like, use it or lose it, right? Um, we know what happens. Like, if you've had a surgery or a health condition where you can't use a certain part of your body for an extended period of time, your muscles atrophy. So I... Uh, I had a ACL surgery on my knee in my 20s, and I, you know, my highly defined bulky quad muscle on this left leg just depleted to like the size of a normal person's leg. And it was, it was hard for me, um, as you can imagine, to just be depleted that way. But, you know, when you don't use your muscles for a while, they, they deteriorate, they, uh, they deplete. Um, my wife's gr late grandfather, Frank Cook, he, uh, he lived to the age of 97. Um, and he just, he walked every day. And I, you know, we always thought, wow, he's just, if, who knows how long he would have lived if he was sedentary or wasn't active. And, and we always just, we were always astounded at him just out and about puttering around the neighborhood, um, sometimes concerned um, as he got older. But he was always so active. And um, right up to the time of his death, he would walk outside most days. How many of you have learned a language 
How many people have you talked to have said, oh, I, I learned French in school, um, but I lost it because I never used it, right? If we don't exercise our muscles, if we don't do something with what we have, uh, it deteriorates, it, it atrophies, it goes away. And so we discipline ourselves so that it doesn't happen in the different parts of our body, right? In our health, in our, in our spirit, in our mind, um, the things that we're training ourselves for, we, we discipline ourselves to keep on top of things and to keep active. The word discipline has another word inside of it called the word disciple. And so today we're talking about spiritual discipline, and um, the Greek word disciple is, uh, I probably don't pronounce it right, methetes. Um, It's about learning through instruction from someone else. It's about being a pupil or or an apprentice. And in, um, obviously in the Bible, in the Gospels, we see that Jesus called disciples to himself. Now it's important to know that the disciples Jesus called didn't just get a list of things they had to believe about Jesus, and that made them disciples, right? But I think sometimes we think about that today. Oh, oh I, yeah, I, I believe those things about Jesus, so I'm a disciple of Jesus. No, 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 no. That's why we're having a month of prayer and fasting, because disciples are people who are following and being trained in a way. They're being disciplined in a way. They're being taught and, and uh, trained. And so, being a disciple is so much more than thinking the right things about God. Unfortunately, sometimes it's been diluted in our minds that that's what being a disciple is, but it's much more than that. It's about being trained. It's about being uh, apprenticed in the way of Jesus. So we discipline our bodies, we discipline our mind, but of course, we're so much more than a body and a mind. We're also sold creatures. And John Mayer, circa 2003, wrote a great song that says, I'm bigger than my body, gives me credit for any millennials out there who are like, yeah, John Mayer? <laughs> yeah, anyways. So we're talking about self-discipline in our spiritual life. The Apostle Paul wrote to a younger pastor named Timothy about, and gave him some instructions on caring for and pastoring uh, the churches in the areas that Paul had planted churches in. And, and a key for Timothy's progress and success would be tied to being self-disciplined. So we're going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 4. And so the prelude to this passage is Paul is giving Timothy specific instructions about certain things that were happening in those churches. And so we'll jump into the conversation, into this letter. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. 
Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul is reminding Timothy of his calling. He's reminding him of this calling he has received to be a teacher, to be a preacher, a pastor, to care for and nurture these churches that have been planted, these people that had come to faith in Christ. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you're going to have to work hard to keep this going. You're going to have to be disciplined in yourself, uh, not only for your sake, but for the sake of the people that you're pastoring. Um, he's, he's reminding him that it's not just about you, it's about them. And you and I have all received a certain call in our life to something, to some place, some people. We've all... Um, I shouldn't actually say that. Maybe there's those of us here today who have not yet perceived that call from God. But we are all called by God to serve him and love him and bless the world around us in certain contexts with the gifts and the things we've been given. We've all been called to Christ Jesus and we're all called to do work, to do uh, productive ministry, whether it's in your neighborhood, in your family, your children, Whatever it is, it just whatever, whatever your context is, that's what God's calling you. But it's not just for you. And so when we're talking about self-discipline and we talk about, like, we talk about uh, New Year's resolutions, I think about going to the gym where there's a bunch of mirrors, and there's a bunch of people in tight clothes who are, like, checking out their own butt, okay? You know, they're, like, they're doing this, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know why I'm bending, <laughs> whatever, you know? And it's... And, and I think sometimes we can be kind of like, well, yeah, spiritual disciplines, like, whatever, like, I'm fine. I don't need to, I don't need to be so focused on myself. I'm just going to live my life or whatever. And it's, it's, not, it's not what it's about, you know? Or sometimes somebody says, well, why don't you go see a counselor for that? Well, well I don't want to navel gaze. Well, you don't go to counseling so that you just become more full of yourself. You go to a counseling so that you're not a jerk to the people around you anymore, you know? Sometimes. Depends on why you go to counseling. But you know what I mean? Like, you don't go do these things just so that you're awesome, right? We don't pray and fast so that we're awesome. Paul says love builds up, but knowledge just puffs us up. And the spiritual disciplines aren't meant to just make us feel good about ourselves. Like, we're not just, oh, I'm fasting quite a bit. So hungry. I'm really doing it. And I didn't tell anybody. (laughs) I'm even better, right? So, So, so it's not about us. It's not about going to the gym and working out and just checking ourselves out. We're, we're called to something, and spiritual disciplines make us effective. Spiritual disciplines keep us in shape. Spiritual disciplines are not for us. They're for the people we're called to. It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about those we're called to serve. So what are we called to be disciplined in? Paul, Paul reminds Timothy to be disciplined about stewarding the things that have been given to him. Stewardship. is such a biblical theme all throughout Scripture about taking what God has given and making something of it. You know, at the beginning of creation, God says, okay, human beings, here's the planet Earth. You're stewards of it. Make something of it. Develop it. Grow it. Fill the Earth. Multiply it. You know, we're in families. We're given work to do. We're given life to live and steward and money and skills and all these things 
God says, here, here's the sandbox. Go play. Do something. Show me what you can do. Steward your time. Steward your ability. Steward what I'm giving you. And so, what have we been called to steward? Well, first of all, we've been called to steward the gospel. Paul says, you, you want to be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. We've, we're all beneficiaries. We're all those who have received the good news of Jesus. And so we want to steward this knowledge that we have. We steward it by, by learning, by growing, by reflecting, by participating in it. We steward the time we've been given. Paul says to Timothy, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas. In 2 Timothy, uh, the second letter to Timothy, he says, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments. So like Twitter, um, I think Paul had this in mind when he wrote that. Like, don't have anything to do with social media stupid arguments. Have you ever, have you, I've been on a journey with social media. My wife will, will testify to that. Because I'll be like, man, I got... She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I just got all these comments I'm replying to because I wrote something, you know, kind of like controversial on Facebook or something. And then I get all of these people like, blah. I'm like, well, this is a, such a stupid waste of time. Why am I doing this? And so I've stopped doing that. I just post pictures of cute things and um, non-controversial things. But we're stewards of the time we've been given. We're stewards of our bodies. Paul says physical value or physical training is of some value. You've been given a body. We've been given a body. You know, we should take care of it. We should look after it. We're stewards of the people we're called to lead and serve and to teach. Whoever's in your life, you're called to. To stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. We're to be stewards of the spiritual gifts and calling we've received. He says, don't neglect it. Give your complete attention to it. Throw yourself into it. Keep a close watch on. There's an urgency Paul is trying to communicate to this young disciple. He's saying, don't sit back. Don't coast. Give your attention to this stuff. Be disciplined. Be attentive. Take us seriously, he's saying. Take it seriously. I wonder, do we need to hear that today? Do we need to hear this challenge that Paul wrote to Timothy as if he's writing to us today, the Church of Abbotsford in 2024, don't neglect your gift. Don't neglect your calling. Don't forget. Don't sit back. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? It's now. This is life. It's happening. Keep on task. Stay disciplined for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of your own soul and the souls of those you are called to. We have to be disciplined or we'll have to deal with the consequences of being undisciplined. And I don't know if we're really ready or willing to, to do that. Because what are the consequences of, our, of being undisciplined is, well, the people around us won't benefit from the good news of Christ. I don't think we're willing to, to risk that. I don't think we're willing to, to come to the end of our life and God says, okay job, my servant. <laughs> We don't want to hear that. We want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? And this isn't meant to be a heavy. This is meant to be an opportunity. We have time. We're here today. We're alive. We're breathing air. We have, we have today. So we have the opportunity to press in and say, okay, God, 
And I bet there's a bunch of us here today who have a sense of a call that God put in our life a long time ago. Like, we may have even forgotten about it. And there's those of us here today who are like, I don't know if I've really even experienced that before. But I want to speak to us all wherever we're at today. You're called. You've been entrusted with the gospel. You've been entrusted with spiritual gifts. You've been entrusted with time and a body and people around you. And so we practice spiritual disciplines because we want to be good stewards of these gifts so that we become the best version of ourselves for the sake of Christ and for the sake of those around us. James Clear says that every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. And the biblical principle for that is what we reap, you will sow. Right? What we reap, we will sow. So how should we discipline ourselves? So we're talking about the Christian disciplines, and there are many. Uh, Richard Foster has written a classic book called The Celebration of Discipline. If you've never read it, it's a really good book. You can borrow Pastor Dave's copy. I have it right now. Um, it's, there's fasting and prayer and meditation and simplicity, submission, confession. So, so all through church history, Christians have practiced these things for, for 2,000 years. And we, we have like a typical rhythm of stuff, of spiritual disciplines that we do that are just kind of like built into our culture. So we come to church, right? That's kind of a, something we all, we're here, you're, you're doing it. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like worship and celebration. Those are spiritual disciplines. Um, we often talk about personal devotions. You know, you should read your Bible and pray. Okay, those are, those are spiritual disciplines. Um, we talk about financially giving. Um, so generosity is a spiritual discipline. We talk about volunteering in the church or in the community. So that's like service. That's a spiritual discipline. Um, hosting others in your home, having a connect group. So like hospitality. So there's many things that are already kind of built into our like paradigm of church in Canada right now. But there are many more that aren't, and so that's why we're highlighting fasting, um, because it's not a, an ingrained part of our like practice typically, and um, and it and we're we want it to be, we want it to be, and so there's many others like that. Um, so throughout church history, like monasteries were were created in order for people to separate themselves and practice and be trained in the way of Christ. You've ever been to the Westminster Abbey in Mission? There's a, it's a Benedictine uh, monastery, beautiful property. Um, Taking a, take a prayer service over there, it's a really beautiful liturgy. And, and so there's a, a combination of all of these spiritual disciplines is, is what's recommended. A combination of them. And it's similar to athletes who play multiple sports. You know, if you heard the term multi-sport athlete, and typically, if, if, a, if a child grows up playing multiple sports, once they get older and, and focus on one sport to excel in, they're way better because of all these other skills they've developed, all the other uh, muscle, um, whatever. They're just better. Um, balance and strength, and that comes from just different, a multi-sport approach. It's really beneficial. And in, in case you didn't know, Pastor Dave and Pastor Nick are into CrossFit. Did you know that? Yeah, we all know that. Because you know how you know that someone's into CrossFit? Because they'll tell you within 30 seconds. So, 
CrossFit teaches functional movement patterns. This is this from the internet. I searched it, that's on Google. It says, teaches functional movement patterns that you find in real life. Pushing, pulling, squatting, jumping, throwing, carrying, and sprinting to develop a higher level of general physical preparedness that will allow you to take on any physical challenge that life could throw your way. Wow. That's worth it. It sounds worth it, guys. Um, so if, we're, you know, if you're ever at a work fee here at the church or we're doing a teardown or setup for an event and you see Pastor Nick or Pastor Dave not like physically exerting themselves to the fullest degree, they have no excuses because CrossFit tra trains you for any physical challenge that life can throw your way. Amen. So, just like CrossFit or <laughs> multi-sport athletes, practicing a combination of spiritual disciplines also prepares you to weather the challenges that life, life throws at you, right? If your soul has been stretched, grounded, strengthened, when testing comes, there's a preparedness that goes deep beneath the surface. Jesus fasted and prayed in the wilderness for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. And the devil came to him and tempted him. The devil threw scripture at him, twisted it, saying, Jesus, why don't you just break your fast? You know, the scripture says you could turn stones into bread. You can do whatever you want. And Jesus strengthened in the spirit, resisted the devil, and quoted scripture back to the devil, saying, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father. And so these disciplines, they strengthen us for testing. They strengthen our soul. They ground our soul. They stretch our soul. And they're hard. And that's sort of the point, isn't it? Lifting weights is hard. Spiritual disciplines are hard. But there are benefits. Uh, one of my friends has his son, sons are teens, young adults now. And so they're challenging him in um, this kind of stuff. And so he was, he was telling me the other day that his son came downstairs and said, Dad, the difference between me and you is that by the time I come downstairs, I've already done something hard. He's into these cold shower routines. So he takes a cold shower every morning, and apparently there's some health benefits to that. And, and he's like really on this kick. Dad, have you worked out yet today? And uh, he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to sort of keep up with my kids. But um, it's, hard to, it's hard to do something like that, but there's benefits. And, but like, when we're talking about discipline, again, we're talking about choosing your heart, right? To choose your heart. Do you want to practice the discipline of, uh, of going for a walk every day? Or do you want to settle for the consequence of feeling tired and lethargic, right? Which heart do you want, right? Well, I think we'd all probably rather, we, in our mind, we know it's wiser to choose the heart of going for a walk every day and not feeling but that's the discipline part, isn't it? It's choosing the right heart. So it's hard to exercise and watch your diet. It's also hard to be out of breath and at risk of health problems. It's hard to get on top of your homework, students, to study ahead of time, make a plan for your semester. But it's also hard to do all-nighters, to get lower grades, to miss out on scholarships and bursaries. Choose your heart. It's hard work to stay married. But it's also very hard to separate and divide your income, damaged, affected relationships, childcare, all that stuff. It's hard to fast and pray. It's also hard to feel spiritually weak and tossed around by life. So we got to pick our heart. And, and we want to encourage you this month to, to choose a heart that is going to help you to be all that you can be in Christ. 
Choose the heart that helps you grow and, and strengthen and nourish and stretch and challenge you. How many people... You know, don't put your hand up. <laughs> Ray, you don't even know what I was going to ask. Want to lend me their vehicle for the next week. All right, right, thanks. Um, we can get bored, right? Being a Christian. Why? Because it's not challenging when you just, I just believe the right things. That's boring. But when you're being challenged and stretched and growing, it's, it's not boring. It's, it's a, an adventure. It's something that we're engaged in. So we have to ask ourselves, am I truly becoming a disciple of Jesus if I'm not engaged in the disciplines that train me in his way? You know? So maybe I shouldn't be content to a half-hearted engagement in this. Paul, remember, Paul said to Timothy, don't neglect Give your complete attention to. Throw yourself into. Keep a close watch on. We need to discipline ourselves in order to receive something that's outside of ourselves. You know, your willpower isn't going to do it. You know, we're not, you're not going to be able to will yourself into being more patient. We're not going to be able to will ourselves into uh, being more spiritually, like, mature. You can't just, like, will it into existence. We need to be disciplined by something else that produces that in us, right? You can't just think of myself into learning French, right? I have to study, I have to train, I have to practice. In the same way, I can't just will myself into a deep spirituality that grounds me in life and makes me effective in, in, as a follower of Jesus. No, I have to discipline myself so that the results from that come. So that's what the spiritual disciplines are about. So just on a practical note, prayer. We've been talking about fasting, but you know we've been doing Alpha uh, Monday nights for the last five weeks. It's been going really great. We just talked about prayer last week, and I wanted to highlight a couple just practical things that we talked about in prayer. If you ever feel stuck in prayer, there's some, some really awesome ways to engage in prayer that you can, you can search all this up online. But if you're, if you're stuck on prayer, they can... Open up the Psalms and pray the Psalms. You know, you can open up any part of Scripture and pray it. This is, this is a, the Latin term is Lectio Divina, um, just praying the Scriptures. You can pray the Lord's Prayer. You can practice listening prayer, just waiting on God and listening. You can practice imaginative prayer, where you're making scenes in your mind of what's happening, what God is doing, what's happening. Uh, you can imagine the answers to your prayer coming. You can follow the liturgical calendar, you can do uh, a nightly prayer of examine. Of, um, uh, Saint Ignatius created this prayer of examine where it goes over your day and you're like um, praying for the things that happened. You're confessing sin from the day that happened and this, this ritual of, of nightly prayer. You can pray breath prayers where you just take a simple phrase, breathe in, breathe out, and just calm yourself on the word of God. We pray confession prayers. We, we confess our sins. So there are many types of ways to pray. And in, in Alpha, they said, these, these, these are a couple of uh, prayer techniques that we thought were really accessible and really helpful. Say three things when you pray. Say thank you, say I'm sorry, and say please. Just say thank you, God, for whatever you're thankful for. Right? And say, okay, God, I'm sorry for whatever you feel God is um, drawing you to, to repent from. And then we say, please, and we make our requests. 
Um, another, another formula that one of the, the people in Alpha said was keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it going. But keep it simple. Just a simple phrase. Just, Lord, help me with my work today. Whatever that, whatever that simple phrase is. Just keep it simple. And he said, also just keep it honest. Start with where you are. I'm really distracted right now, God. But I need help with, or I'm really frustrated. Just start with where you're at. Um, keep it going. Just, just keep that going during the day in your car ride or when you're sitting at the table and things are chaotic with your family, just in your mind. There are some really practical ways for us to do this. Uh, people have been doing it thousands of years. And, and we can do it too. We're part of that long tradition of spiritual disciplined people who are effective in their calling. And I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I, just, I wonder if there's people here who today are feeling God saying, you've neglected your gift. You've, you've forgotten. I've planted some things in you that at a moment in your life you knew was significant. In a certain moment in time, you recognize was God's call on you. And I don't mean necessarily like a specific task. It, maybe it is. Maybe, it's, maybe it is a specific task. But it might just be God's call to serve him with your whole heart. It might just be God's call to worship him with all that you are. It might just be God's call to do the best with your ability in all the realms of your life for his glory. Or it may be a certain task, a calling he put on you to to witness to, to friends and neighbors. Or I wonder if there's those of us who today are feeling like, I need to remember that. And I want to commit again to not neglecting, to throwing myself into. I don't want to sit back. I don't want to coast. I don't want to be bored. This is it, guys. This is life. It's happening. We have today. We don't know if we have tomorrow. And so I want to challenge us to get serious with what we have in our hands. Our families, our children, our friends, spiritual gifts. And I want to ask whoever you are in this room and whether you want to come forward or sit in your spot to take some time to rededicate yourself to the call in your life. Say, Lord, I want to get serious and I want to be disciplined so that I can fulfill this call that you put in my life. And if you want to come forward as a sign of obedience and, and pray, I'm going to invite you to do that. Nick and the team are going to, Andy Lynn and the team are going to lead us in worship. And, um, we're just going to take some time to do that. So I'm going to pray, and they're going to lead us into that time. God, we know that you call the unqualified. That you speak to those whose hearts will hear you listen. The weak, the young, or the broken, the humble. So we humble our hearts before you, God. And we ask you to speak to us again. 
Lord, we ask you to remind us of the calling you put in our hearts, the ministry, the tasks, the, the posture of heart to you and to the world. We ask you to help us to fan it into flame. Lord, I pray that you would rekindle, you would re-spark, and you'd reignite passion for your name, that you'd rekindle and reignite and re-spark passion for kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, that there would be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, joy in the presence of Jesus across the world. And I pray that you would rekindle that vision in our life, that all would come to know your love. And so for those of us who, who have yet to hear that, Lord, I pray you would spark it. I pray that there would be those in this room that would, would sense a calling on their life today belong to you, to serve you, to get serious about this, this Jesus who knows us and loves us and died for us. So God, we, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you gave your all. You poured out your life for the sake of the world. Lord, we want to follow you in that. We want to take up our cross and follow you. So help us, we pray, God, in Jesus' name.